Welcome to this podcast from St. Mary's the University Church. While public worship will not be offered in church for the foreseeable future, we hope that these podcasts will provide you with some spiritual resources over the coming days. Good Friday is a sombre occasion in the life of the Christian Church, when we recall and relive the events of the day when Christ was tried and executed on the cross. It's a day usually observed at St. Mary's, with the Stations of the Cross in the morning and the traditional three hours at 12 noon. This year, we would like to encourage you to listen to our online version of the Stations of the Cross, Passion and Compassion, and you'll find the link on our website. In this podcast, Judith Maltby will offer a reflection on the significance of the cross. For in the cross of Jesus, we see the cost of our sin, and the depth of God's love. And so we will offer some prayers in humble hope and fear, placing at the feet of Jesus all that we have and all that we are. So let us pray. Almighty Father, look with mercy on this your family, for which our Lord Jesus Christ was content to be betrayed and given up into the hands of sinners and to suffer death upon the cross who is alive and glorified with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.
from the Passion according to St Mark. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified Jesus. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him among themselves and saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, Listen, he is calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, when the centurion who stood watching him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was God's son. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James the Younger, and of Joseph and Salome. These used to follow him and provided for him when he was in Galilee. And there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. When evening had come, and since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council who was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate wondered if he were already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. Then Joseph bought a linen cloth and taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene, and Mary, mother of Joseph, saw where the body was laid.
Holy Week by Vassa Miller. The churches grow hysterical with grief, and we who rarely shed a tear save for ourselves are in corporate hands as the whole week dissolves in the fogs and vapours of our misery. Over your ancient pain we dare not see, daily renewed as all the year revolves on its axis of hurt and hate and crisscrossed loves, the air gone gummy with piosity. We interrupt our fasts with artichoke and cheese. A few poor beasts exult, maybe, at being spared our gluttonous rages. Were such the reasons, Jesus, your heart broke, and so broke from your cross itself that bolt of furious charity upon the ages? What does the death of Jesus tell us about God? The death of Jesus tells us something about ourselves. Some would say it tells us about our sinfulness. But God is more important than we are. On Good Friday of all days, this question should be asked. What does the cross tell us about God? Is Good Friday, as the American 20th century poet Vassa Miller asks in the poem we've just heard read, the climax of a week for us to, quote, wring our corporate hands in the fogs and vapours of our misery over your ancient pain. Does Good Friday, in a way, let us off the hook about giving a damn about the suffering of the world because Christ has paid the price? As Miller says, despite the death of Jesus, the pain all around us is daily renewed. In theology, trying to find the words for what the death of Jesus means is called the doctrine of the atonement. And contrary to what some folks say, the Bible and the Christian tradition offered varied and complex ways of understanding it. But the question I find over many years I keep going back to is this. When we look at Jesus on the cross, do we see the depth of God's wrath or the depth of God's love? It is as simple as that. That's because the doctrine of the atonement properly rests on the more foundational doctrine of the incarnation. This is the belief that God responded to our human condition, our sinfulness, what Francis Spufford calls in the best book about Christianity written in years, unapologetic, the, quote, human propensity to F things up. And so God responds to that by taking on the human condition in the person of Jesus Christ, by entering time, occupying a space, accepting the constraints of history, in short, by becoming human. That is at the heart of the Christian gospel, that the eternal, timeless creator of everything entered time, accepted mortality, even death on a cross, as Paul puts it, embraced our condition, became human, and really, really fully human. The incarnation is not a divine gap year. 
Jesus is not God in a human zipper suit. So by entering time and place, by becoming human, God has redeemed and transformed our condition and made time and place itself holy. Time, the destroyer, has become an agent of God's loving and redemptive purposes. History has become fully the arena of God's redemptive power. By accepting the limitation of our humanity, God's mercies have, paradoxically, become limitless. By coming to us as one of us, time and place, humanity, have become the way we encounter God, experience grace, know love, give love, receive love. But this is a message we don't always want to hear. More seductive by far is a tidier one. A God who is both too grand and we are too sinful to really get too near to us, let alone to really become one of us. That God needed a sacrifice for sin, a price to be paid, which could only be satisfied by the sacrifice of a substitute. We humans are very transactional. We give this for that, a quid for a quo. So we figure God must think like that too. In this view, a substitute was needed in the economy of salvation, a quid for our quo. Because we are just too sinful and awful to be an appropriate price for sin. So the reasoning goes, Jesus not only substitutes for us who deserve death for our sinfulness, but he had to be really punished. He had to have all that divine, justified wrath over human wickedness poured out all over him. Jesus is not only a substitution in this view, but is a penal substitution, that is, the substitute gets punished in our place. And that's because somebody had to pay, you know. Somebody just had to get it to satisfy God's sense of justice. Or so it is sometimes said. Or at least to satisfy our sense of justice, which is usually what we mean by punishment. Here we have a sort of divine smart bomb or surgical strike. Jesus takes the bullet, which should have really hit you, hit me, hit everybody. Or is it rather as the poet Vassa Miller, herself a devout Christian who knew a great deal about suffering, as Miller says, is the bolt, not from God the Father, but breaks forth from the broken heart of Jesus on the cross. And that bolt is not wrath, but in Miller's wonderful phrase, is the bolt of furious charity upon the ages. No calm charity this, 
it's furious. As I said, when we view the cross, do we see the depth of God's wrath or the depth of God's love? Do we see that breaking forth of our furious charity upon the ages? When push comes to shove, is God the sort of God who needs a sacrifice to be appeased, to clear the overdraft of the human race? Or is God the sort of God who is totally committed to human beings, made in the divine image, fallen, to be sure, sinners, Let's have no doubt about that. But a God so committed to us, so in love with us, that God comes to us as one of us and embraces our human condition. Christ surely dies for us, but Christ does not die in our place, that is, instead of us. In case you haven't noticed, we all die. Does this sound all just a bit too liberal? Well, that well-known lefty theologian Martin Luther put it like this. He said, when the creed talks of Christ dying for us, pro nobis, it does not mean in our place, but for our benefit. To talk of Christ on the cross as a substitution, but especially penal substitution, does not begin to fathom the depth of the significance of the cross, or even more so of Jesus himself. The bottom line must be, always, that the cross shows us the depth of God's love. And this is an understanding which is precisely a Bible-based one. Over and over again, in all four Gospels, Jesus' emphasis is on following him and his identification with us. To approach the cross, therefore, is to approach the incarnational God, not a God who sacrifices something valuable yet other in order to pay the price for sin, a quid for our quo, but a God in Christ who is the sacrifice, a God who is both priest and victim, the giver and the gift. The God who is the source of that bolt of furious charity upon the ages. For such the reasons, Jesus, your heart broke, and so broke from your cross itself that bolt of furious charity upon the ages.
God sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Let us pray. God of justice, we remember all those who are exploited by forces of oppression and unjust systems. For all those whose spirits are broken and who have been robbed of their dignity. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we bring before you the churches and the Christian people around the world who have been silent when they should have spoken and passed by on the other side when they should have helped. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of compassion, we pray for all who are ill-treated and degraded at the hands of others, that they may know that your heart yearns with compassion and justice. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of love, we affirm with hope your presence in the world. You see the wounded and the broken and say, these are my sisters and my brothers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we pray for all those who are sick, those affected by the current pandemic, those who are in hospital, and those who have died. We pray for all who cared for them. May their loved ones know your comfort and consolation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Eternal God, whose blessed Son entrusted to each other his beloved mother and the disciple whom he loved, grant that we may take into the home of our hearts all who grieve and are heavy laden, for the sake of him who bore our grief and carried our sorrows, and who makes all burdens light, even Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, inspire us with your love, challenge us with your truth, empower us with your strength, that we may see the glory that shines through the darkness of the cross as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, set your passion, cross, and death between your judgment and our souls, now and in the hour of our death. Grant mercy and grace to the living, rest to the departed, to your church peace and concord, and to us sinners forgiveness and everlasting life and glory. For with the Father and the Holy Spirit, you are alive and reign, God, now and forever. 